This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 231 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. We want to wish everyone a happy Kwanzaa, a happy Hanukkah, and a Merry Christmas. Because all of those fall during the time uh, between this episode and the next episode. This is very true. So... There you go. Is that right? Well, Hanukkah already started. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And Kwanzaa starts the 26th, I think, and it goes on to January 1st, and mm-hmm. then Christmas is the 25th, and this is oh. going to come out on, what, the uh, 20th? So, there you go. Oh, yep. You're right. So. Well, dang on. What a year it's been. First of all, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent, and Freddie jumped up on the table. <laughs> Did you know? yeah. He slid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Freddie, you have to get down. We're recording here. This is a professional operation. As we were saying before, we were so rudely interrupted by the cat. Sorry, you guys. I mean, I'm Thank- just, I'm just saying. He jumped up on the table, and he like slid sideways. I mean, he just had to be there. Sorry. <laughs> But thanks to all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent, thank you for all you do, especially during these hard times for you frontline workers. Oh, absolutely. We appreciate you guys so much, and we pray for you all every night, and we want you all to be home with your family so bad, but we appreciate you protecting us. It means more to us than you can ever know. Absolutely. Also, we want to remind everybody that if you're struggling right now from a mental standpoint, it's tough on a lot of people. We're seeing more and more stuff on the news every single day. How people are just really having a rough time holding it together. It's always worse around the holidays. Just remember that you've got people who care about you and uh, people that you don't even realize. But uh, we care. We know the people in the group care. And you've got friends and family members that care. Reach out to somebody if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling isolated, and uh, talk to somebody. That's yeah, all we can ask. Please give us a call. We are here for you guys night and day. And uh, we would appreciate it if you did call us and stuff. But if you don't want to call us and you want to talk to somebody that you don't know, you can call 800-273-8255. And you can also text them at 741-741 if you would rather go that route. Just remember, we are here for you guys no matter what, and we love you. Absolutely. Uh, as usual, this episode is brought to you by El Yucateco Hot Sauce, hashtag king of flavors. They are the number one habanero-based hot sauce in the United States and top 10 out of all hot sauces. And uh, we didn't go too crazy. This We went to a Mexican restaurant, and I had a burrito El Carbon. Which you is, say that's so funny. What's for that? Is it El Carbon? I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't I, think there's a bone in there. Well, there's. I think there is. Anyways, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's got a bunch of shredded meat and stuff in there. I love it. And uh, so they they always have two different types on the table. So I went with my red sauce. Mm-hmm. The, the green, 
I like the green. It's got a little more kick to it. And if I'm eating something like a burrito or something, I don't want as much kick. So I usually go with the red sauce. Yep. It's always but, good, no matter which choice you make. But anyway, you can get them in most of your major uh, grocery stores, such as Walmart, Target. We found it in Meyer, so you can mm-hmm. find your El Yucateco there. Or you can get all seven flavors at the website, elyucateco.com. Use the code Hillbilly Horror, and you get 10% off your entire purchase. There you go. Yeah, and they got all kinds of stuff there. They've got uh, koozies you can buy. They've got the little hand uh, size, just like the little hand sanitizer that's full of hot sauce that you can <laughs> put know. on your purse strap. We got a little strap. You I can think put that on is so cute you. that they do that. So you can always have your hot sauce with oh, you. Oh, heck so. yeah. All right, Tracy. So we were doing some, some bonus episodes for Patreon earlier this week. Mm-hmm. And I asked you a question. I asked you several questions for uh, about just because I wanted to get your honest opinion. And one of the questions was, where do you think you go after you die? And, of course, you said heaven. And, and I said, what is your version of heaven? And you said you would want to go to a casino. <laughs> well, that's that might be my second choice, of course. <laughs> but that got me thinking that I bet there are a lot of haunted casinos because there's people like you out there that really enjoy the casinos. I'm not one of them, but people who really enjoy the casinos and they have a good time there. And I could see if that was your life uh, wanting to be there. I could imagine my uncle Eddie who passed away. I could see him being somebody who stays at a casino or something. So, you know, but anyway, I thought it was cool. So I thought I would look it up and see what we got. And wouldn't you know, that the ghost stories start with the person who is given credit for actually starting Las Vegas as we know it today, who is a very well-known gangster, Bugsy Siegel. Oh, Bugsy. Yeah. So Benjamin Bugsy Siegel was a mobster from Los Angeles. And the story was that he was driving through Vegas and he got right to that area and said, you know what, this would be a great place for a casino. Yeah, because he's probably driving through there like, um, boring, <laughs> nothing here. Well, that's not exactly what happened, even though that's no. the story. So he was driving through Vegas, and there was a hotel uh, slash casino. I don't know if it was going to be a casino. It was definitely going to be a hotel that was being built already. And when he saw that, he thought, hey, this would be great. And he ended up buying out. The, the gentleman who was actually building the casino. So there was already one being built. He just decided he bought it, and it was still the first one yeah. in town. But still, that wasn't exactly the kill. Now, the gentleman who originally owned that casino was going to be Billy Wilkerson, and he owned the property as well as several nightclubs on the Sunset Strip in L.A. So he started construction in 1945, and then he sold it to Bugsy Siegel. Gambling had been legal for over 14 years at that time in the state of Nevada, but nobody had really taken advantage of it. In fact, most thought that building a luxury hotel or casino in the desert was sheer lunacy, and therefore nobody had really done it even before Wilkerson had started. I mean, if we think about that, I mean, it is kind of weird. Well, Bugsy, though, he felt like this was a perfect opportunity. I mean, he was like all in. So he took the original plans for just a hotel and he decided to turn it into a show place for staying and having a casino involved. No financing establishment, no, at least no traditional financing establishment would get involved with financing a casino, 
So Bugsy reached out to his mob friends out on the East Coast, primarily Meyer Lansky. Okay. So he got the money from them, and he was ready, or at least he got the commitment from them based on what he told them the cost was going to be to build it. Mm -hmm. Construction was very slow, and the cost kept escalating. It went from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to eventually $6 million to be built. Dang. So Bugsy's mob partners started to get a little impatient, as you can imagine. Mm Mm-hmm. They also were a little perturbed at the fact that Bugsy was uh, skimming money off the top (laughs) to... Already? Yeah. He was was taking some of this construction money, and he used some of that money to fund his lavish lifestyle that he and his uh, fiancée, Virginia Hill, were living back in L.A. He was also skimming money off the top and depositing in several Swiss bank accounts. No. Yeah, that doesn't go over well. So the mob put out a hit but his buddy Meyer Lansky he talked to him and he had them change their mind and to call off the hit lucky (laughs) so two years into the construction on June 20th 1947 Bugsy Siegel was shot to death as he was relaxing in Virginia's home in Beverly Hills the killer had been hiding underneath one of the windows and just waiting on him Though technically the crime is still a cold case and listed as unsolved, the fact that the mob from back east immediately took over the casino probably tells you everything you need to know, and most assume that Bugsy's death was a hit put out by the mob so they could gain ownership of the hotel. Makes sense. Well, you know, he... the the Before it was completely finished construction-wise, mm-hmm. it had opened up, but it was very unsuccessful. Really? So it's like, it's like okay... We're not having the success he promised. It cost way more than what it was supposed to. He's skimming money off the top. Boom. Once the the mob took over, though, it became very successful. But Bugsy didn't get to see any of that. Do you have any idea what hotel this was, the very first hotel in Las Vegas on the Strip? This? No. I was going to say the Stardust, but that's not it. Uh... One more guess. Pretty famous. Um, I don't know. The Flamingo. Oh, yes. Dang it. I knew that. But like I said, after Bugsy, Bugsy died, the Flamingo flourished, proving that his dream wasn't so crazy after all. Now, the the Flamingo's not there anymore. Isn't that correct? No, it's there. Oh, it is? Yeah. They closed it at one point, but then they remodeled it. Well, maybe that's what out. I'm thinking of. Yeah, they know. were going to get rid of it, but it's, yeah. it's you can't get rid of the Flamingo. So the Flam- Flamingo made big money. And several other casinos started to pop up, creating the Las Vegas Strip as we know it today. Unfortunately, Bugsy never saw the success, at least not while he was alive. Mm -hmm. So there have been several sightings of Bugsy's ghost in the presidential suite of the hotel, which is where he stayed on a regular basis when the the hotel first opened up and it was under construction. Mm -hmm. He's also been spotted in the garden where there is a memorial to him and out by the pools. Cool. So, obviously, we started with the Flamingo because Bugsy Siegel and uh, his story, you know, history with the city and stuff like that. Because, like I said, if it hadn't been for Bugsy, there things no might Las not have been Vegas. the same. Now, I mean, there was a hotel already being built there, but I don't think that it was going to have a casino. So, who knows if it would have right. been what it did. But his dream was to have 
a way to be able to create money for the mob and gambling was the way to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it worked, I guess. The Flamingo is by no means, though, the most haunted hotel in Vegas. That distinction would go to the Bally's Hotel. This was the original MGM Grand Hotel, but after a disastrous fire in 1980, Bally's bought it, renovated it, and then, you know, went from there. Mm -hmm. 85 people died during that fire. Mm, And what most people don't realize is that the current Bally's is basically the exact same MGM, but it, like I said, slight renovation, and they built a new section that faces the Strip. Other than that, it's mostly the same. Wow. That's so cool. Next time we go, we need to go in there. Next time. We've never been. Not together. Well, true. But next time I go, I'll go check it out. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the fire a little bit. I didn't write any of this down, but I know a lot about it because I was doing some research on it. So the fire happened in 1980. In the late 70s, I want to say 77, fire marshals had talked to the owners of the hotel and said, look, you need to put uh, update your system, put sprinklers in and all that. There were no sprinklers in the hotel. But when it was built, that wasn't a requirement. But that doesn't mean that you can't change with the times. And it was pointed out by fire marshals in, in 1977 that they should do this. A fire broke out in the deli part. Mm-hmm. This fire never got above the second floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that wasn't the problem. The problem was the smoke was so bad. And what happened is people upstairs started panicking because they couldn't get out of the rooms. Some of them busted windows out. Well, that made it even worse because when they busted the windows out, now the smoke came in that wouldn't have came in in some cases. yeah. So, you know, almost everybody had died from, you know, the smoke inhalation up there. Uh, They had helicopters coming over trying to get people out, but that was making it uh, a lot of noise. So people, the firemen and stuff downstairs were telling people to hang tight and the firemen eventually would get them. But they didn't hear them? But they couldn't hear them, a lot of them. So that was causing a problem right there. And then the uh, they said that when the fire started, it went through the entire casino floor mm-hmm. in probably 30 seconds. Oh, my gosh. And it's because of the uh, plastic and stuff that were in the slot machines, all the molding and stuff that was like decorative that was made out of plastic and stuff. like All that stuff was like super fire you know mm-hmm. flammable i should say and then all this smoking stuff started going up through the ventilation system and stuff because there was nothing to keep that from happening so they said it, it just literally was like it was going up through all the duct work and everything one of the heartwarming stories i heard was that when they went through the police and our fire department and started looking at bodies and stuff and looking for them that they went into a room and it's obvious they had just had breakfast served because the tray was there, it still had the food, and the husband and wife were laying on the ground holding each other. Aww. It's like they knew that they weren't going to make it out. And then there was people who actually jumped from the building because they were afraid. Like I said, the fire never even reached above the second floor, but there was no way of knowing that. There was no smoke alarms. There was nothing. They were, there was no member of management even went to doors to tell people to get out. So there, was they held responsible yes, for all that? Yes, there was actually, it was the biggest lawsuit ever. Uh, lawyers ascended into Las Vegas and it's like grabbed all these suits, but it was like 200 and I think it was $220 million that was paid out. This was 1980, $220 some million paid out in lawsuits from families and, and stuff like wow, that. How sad. And then, so this led actually to a lot of the new high rise uh, rules and regulations mm-hmm. of, of 
having to put in smoke detectors and having to put in sprinkler systems and all that stuff because they didn't have any of that stuff. The fire marshal said if there had been sprinkler system in the Delhi area mm -hmm. when this initially took, it started as an electrical fire. And, and he said it might have been smoldering for a while, but he said if they'd have had the sprinkler system just in that section, it would have put the fire out. Oh. It would have spread anywhere. But that's the, the big difference. And then to make matters worse, after this happened three months later, there was a fire in the, in the Las Vegas Hilton, which we'll talk about a little bit later. It was started by an arson. Um, so that, you know, and nobody got killed in that situation. But it just went to show that, you know, hey, we we got to do stuff a little bit different. And it led to some very stringent rules uh, from the state of Nevada and then most people around the country picked up. Mm -hmm. At the time this fire happened uh, at the MGM Grand, it was the second worst ever in the United States. And the first being the right up the road from us, the Hill. Beverly Hills Supper Club. Supper Club, yes, that's yeah, what I was trying to say. Right outside of Cincinnati in northern Kentucky, so... Mm. Anyways, that, that, that's just extra bonus stuff that I that's learned last terrible. night that I was fascinated That's just a shame. All right, this story comes from a uh, member of middle management at, at Bally's from a while back. He said, well, you know how you when you go to these places, we, we actually had this happen this past weekend. When you go to like a show or uh, uh, something like that, especially on the Vegas Strip, they'll take your picture and stuff when you first come in and yeah. they'll try to sell you the pictures. Mm -hmm. That's been going on since the 1960s oh, in Vegas. Really? And this guy actually used to be in charge of a couple of things, but one of the things was he was in charge of the people who had to go take the pictures and the photo lab. Mm -hmm. And he said it was it was one of those things that the photo lab itself just was always eerie and there were some situations. He said the photo lab was right above the showroom. And it, and he said the showroom itself, if you've ever watched, and I know we're dating ourselves, but the, the old Dean Martin celebrity roast. Yeah. It was in, that was it shot inside the MGM Grand Showroom, which is now Bally's. But right above that in the second floor, they have the green room. So if you got celebrities and stuff, that's where they would stay. And at the end of the hall is where they had this actual um, lab at, photo lab. He said back in the day, the room had several different chemical containers. So when you had to develop film the old-fashioned ways, you had all that. Uh, but now everybody uses digital film, so they don't need it. But it, all those little compartments are all still there. Oh, they haven't changed cool. any of that. Yeah. So he said that even though the they're not using them, it just makes the place even seem more yeah. weird because all this emptiness is being, you know, not being used. You know, he says he likes to get there about an hour before they open up and get everything running. You know, he wants to check all the batteries on the cameras, make sure all those are working and get the printers up, up and going and doing some sample prints and everything. He said on the very first day that he was alone doing this, he went in there and he turned on the light and it seems like he walked right into a column of cold air. He said they typically didn't have the air on in that room. Uh -huh. So that would have been unusual. Yeah. Why would they? Yeah. They're not using it. Anyway, he said it dissipated quickly, and he just assumed it was due to the fact that the door had been sealed for several hours, and when yeah. he opened it, maybe it was like a little backdraft or something like that. He went back to the back room. He needed to get some batteries that had been charging up for the phones. He noticed that there was a circuit breaker door that was just open, so you could see all the circuit breakers. He went over there and closed it, and then he secured it with a little latch. Then he noticed that there was some sliding wooden doors to the old dark room, 
and they were open. So he went over there and made sure it was empty, and then he locked that door. He went up to the printers, ran some samples, and everything was good. And he said, okay, now I'll go back and pick up some more batteries that were in the back that were still charging. He walked into the back room, and as soon as he turned on the light again, he quickly noticed that the circuit breaker door was wide open again. again. Even more frightening is that the dark room door was open, and then there was a single hanging light inside the dark room. It was now turned on. And it wasn't on the first time we went back here. Oh, heck now yeah. the door is open, lights on. And it's a little small room. There was only one way in, one way out. Yeah. So he knew nobody had come in there and mm-hmm. he knew he was the only one at work at that time. He tried to shake it off best he could. And he closed the doors again on the circuit breaker box and the uh, dark room. He walked back a third time and found the exact same thing. He yelled out, fine. If you want it that way, then I'll just leave it that way. (laughs) And he said that's what he did from that point on. He just left them on, and he seemed to have very little occurrences at that point. So one night, his boss actually came to visit him as he was opening up. And he was this big, large Serbian guy. He said he had worked his way up from the photo lab now to middle management as well. So this guy was telling, telling him, he said, man, I always hated working in this lab. He said, it always felt like I was being watched. He said, oh, and there's this one door that will not stay closed. (laughs) And he said, and a light that won't stay off. Well. That messes with your developing, don't he know? Yeah. Well, I don't think they got to worry about that anymore with the digital Well, that's true. (laughs) He said another time he was in the lab. He was waiting on his uh, photographers to show up, and he had his two runners there. And the runners were the people that... The photographer would take the pictures and then the runner would like grab whatever they needed, memory cards, and run it back up so they can get the pictures made and then run it back down to the photographer to show the uh, the people, you know, try to make the sale. And he said he was up there with the runners. And the two runners were two Hispanic cousins, mm-hmm. both teenagers. And he said he looks over and there's a cabinet door on the wall. He said he sees a black, shapeless mist come out of the cabinet door. It floated across the room for approximately 25 feet, and then it disappeared into one of the walls. He didn't say anything because he wasn't sure if his eyes were playing tricks on him for imagining something like that. He didn't have to worry about saying anything. He said he turned around, and the two runners that he had there, they were both in a panic wide-eyed, mouth agape, plenty of expletives, he said. (laughs) (laughs) And he said they saw the exact same thing and they took it as an omen and they needed to leave. He tried to talk them out of it and and they said, nope, they signed out and they left. Golly. There was also a men's room up there on that same floor that has a stall that you can hear someone snoring. Several times the plumbing has been checked to see if that's what the noise was, and there was never a problem found. One time, one of the photographers heard the storing while he was actually in the stall. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't run out there by whole naked, because I would have. <laughs> How do you take use the stall? <laughs> what do you mean? Maybe do you he was take pooping. all your clothes off to use the stall? Oh, well, I'd, I'd drop trowel probably and take off. Drop trowel. 
<laughs> and probably trip over my breeches, and then my butt would be up in the air. <laughs> I can see it now. Other things that are experienced <laughs> at Bally's are screams coming from the stairwell. That's when they see me wandering down the stairwell naked. <laughs> <laughs> They're going, oh my God, put your clothes on. <laughs> they have the strong smell of smoke that occasionally happens with no cause anywhere to be found. Like what kind of smoke, I wonder? Well, like from the fire. Oh, from that way? Yeah. Oh, I gotcha. During the fire, the people who perished were trapped on the upper floors of the hotel it's no surprise that several apparitions are seen up on the upper floor. And the that most is unusual. That's the saddest thing. Yes. Isn't that sad? Especially that married couple. Yeah. That's so sad. The most unusual sighting is the ghost of an elderly woman who plays the slots with her dress on fire. Oh my gosh. She, but that's not a bad sign. She was on fire, <laughs> she was at, hitting it good on the slots. Okay. I wouldn't get up if my saw was hitting good. You know, while we're on that subject. I, I need was, to pop was, my finger. It hurts. I was watching these weird facts mm-hmm. about casinos. Mm-hmm. And it said uh, at the end of the night that the people that are in charge of like cleaning and stuff like that, they go around to the chairs of the slot machine and they have a towel and they push down on the seat to see if there's any urine <gasps> on it. Because sometimes people, people stay are so drunk long. and sometimes yep. people will not get up if they've been at their machine for very long. That is ridiculous. Because they know that they can have people, the people that work there can stand there by the machine until they get done in the I bathroom. I don't know if they do know that. So. Well, that's disgusting. Yeah. And for the record, I've never done that. And on the 17th floor, a little boy's voice calling for his mother has been reportedly Aww. heard by many guests. Hmm. All right, so let's bounce over to the Luxor Hotel. Like it. I like the Luxor. Now, the Luxor is not only reported to be haunted, but it's cursed. And there's several reasons where that is. So part of this is due to the pyramid shape and the fact that two workers were killed during construction. Mm. There's also two suicides have uh, happened from guests jumping from the open hallway to the casino floors, which, by the way, they have fixed since then, so yeah, people can't do that. Oh, see, now I—I I mean, it's been a long time since I've been there, but I remember that, and I always remember on the outside. I mean, it kind of looks cool because you know they can—you can see the light in space, mm-hmm. but it's so creepy looking at the same time. And what was it? Fear was it Fear Factor or who was it that went and they had to cook to come down that outside of that thing i don't know I re- you remember that? i remember you now saying that but i can't remember what it was oh my gosh it's like the scariest thing ever so the luxor opened october 15th 1993 at 4 a.m just for the record fun fact wow. it cost 375 million dollars to build and there's a giant sphinx out front that's cool this is a problem the sphinx is bad luck this well what really. i say the Sphinx. What is it? Sphinx. Oh, I said Spink. That's okay. <laughs> God love you. Bless your heart. Because the architect said that they needed two of these Sphinx, one facing east and one facing west, to protect the pyramid. But they only have one. They only have one because the hotel chose not to do that. He also said that they needed to have an eye on top 
They didn't do that either. So they need like the eye, like when you look at a dollar bill, tobacco dollar oh. bill. The, oh, yeah, yeah, because it has the, yeah. The of horse. Mm-hmm. He says that's what should be on top to keep it from being cursed. And this came from the architect. No. They didn't do that either. So, of course, horse was an Egyptian god. That's who uh, gave Aleister Crowley his uh, book of the law, so he says. But you as a, a builder, no, you said the builder or the, the architect. architect guy yeah. said that. Yeah. But so if you're on the other side of what he's saying, I mean, what would you do? Honestly, would you think you're okay? Yeah, that's crazy. Why would we do that? I mean, probably, you know, but depends on what you believe in, I guess. But that's where all the curse talk initially started because they didn't do that. It's also sinking. Did you know that? No. It was built on a swampy patch of land. And rumor has it that the mob also used to use that part to dump bodies and <gasps> stuff back when... Back when uh, Vegas was ran by the mob. Are you kidding me? Why would why? So there's that. Why in the world would they do that? Why would they build that on a swampy land? Why would you do that? Well, I guess they figured that it would, you know, it might sink a little bit, but overall it would be okay. And where then they put the bodies underneath of it? No, what? Well, this was keep in mind this was built in 1993 when the mob ran this stuff. We're talking 40s, 40s 50s. and 50s, yeah. Yeah, so they're just saying there's probably a bunch of bodies there. Uh, I would have thought though that most of those would have been dug up during. Well, I mean, well, you would think, but you never know. But this may explain the apparition of a middle-aged man in a striped suit that likes to walk around on the upper floors. That sounds a lot like a mob-type suit. I think I saw him. And if you don't get out of his way, <laughs> he'll walk straight through you, so Ooh, you would know. That would be cool. There used to be a boat ride inside. It's no longer there. We'll get to more of that later. But it was like a, the Disney's It's a Small World-type ride. You just rolled around. It had a bunch of Egyptian artifacts and stuff like that. And I know, but that just seems Egypt. like I don't belong in, in that. Well, but it, it made they made it like an Egyptian thing. I mean, oh, it was... I said, it maybe was, like the one in the Paris one or something. You could ride like gondola or gondola or whatever you call that. Gondola. What I say? You said gondola. Yeah, well, I don't know what you said first, but you said gondola. Second, okay. So we'll go with it. But anyway, as far as that ride, it, it, you know, there was some ghosts that were supposedly in that. And some people think that's one of the reasons that they got rid of the ride. But there's... Uh, we're going to find out a little more about... All the stuff they got rid of. Hey, and this why. is wild, knowing all this stuff. Like I so said, they had a bunch of cool Egyptian artifacts and stuff down there that that would have been cool. And all that stuff has been moved to the Natural History Museum. I think Egyptian stuff, I think it's gorgeous. It's it so is. really beautiful. So they felt like that moving the artifacts might remove the curse. So by when they got rid of the boat ride and moved all that stuff over, mm-hmm. who knows? Interesting fact. The Luxor could not have traditional elevators because of the shape, because it is shaped like a pyramid. So they have inclinators that travel at a 39-degree angle. So when you're going up, you're going up at an angle, yes, not straight I up Yes, I did know down. that. I didn't know that. I'd be a bitch if you're trying to carry a drink. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so there were problems from the very beginning of construction of the hotel. Some blame this giant sphinx statue as, you know part of the problem because we told you there's only one of them as we said earlier it's a replica of the original sphinx that guards the great pyramid of egypt now we're told that they needed two and the original if you look at the original sphinx in egypt there is only one right Mm -hmm. but there is a slab of concrete behind that one depicting two sphinx back to back 
So their their butts basically are touching. I don't think I've ever seen that. Have you? Well, there's not a second one. No, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the concrete slab. And they said, but the, the Egyptians believe that the one that's still remaining is there because it got covered with sand and therefore the sun and all that didn't erode it and it eventually was dug back out. Oh, wow. But they think that the other one just was in the elements and yeah. didn't get covered and somehow or another it just eroded away over time. Oh, wow. So they think that's why there's only one there, but there was two built. Death seems to be a regular visitor here in the form of suicide and in murders. Mm -hmm. In 1996, a woman rode the elevator to the 26th floor, or I should say inclinator, and she climbed out. She put her legs over the railing, with her feet dangling. She stared at the people below and jumped. Oh, my God. Landing in front of the buffet 26 floors down. Another situation had a man leaning over the balcony to propose to his fiancée. He said jokingly, if you don't say yes, I'm going to jump. He lost his balance and fell to his death. (gasps) Oh. We ventured murder and... There was a man who, inside one of the hotel rooms, murdered a 16-year-old sex worker. So, you got that going. I hated those. That's the one thing I hate about Vegas, is the people that stand out there and hit those stupid pamphlets. Oh, yeah. You know the what I'm cards. talking about? Yeah. yeah like, they look like, they look t- like uh, baseball cards. Yeah, but they're to get you to... Right. They're all, they're all about legal sex. Okay. Yeah. Terrible. You know they can't say anything to you. They're no, that's why they never do. No, yeah. they just look at you and sup them things. And yeah, they like, have to. Really? They flick those cards and mm-hmm. smack those cards and make noise to hand to you because legally they can't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's kind of cool. Terrible and annoying. In 2004, the MGM Mirage bought the Luxor and did an immediate 300 million dollar makeover, removing most of the Egyptian decor and artifacts. No. The Nile River Tour, which was the little yes, yes, yes. that we talked about. It was removed completely, uh, mainly because guests saw a ghost at the entrance of the tunnel. Several guests saw a ghost at the entrance of the tunnel. And they said that was one of the reasons why they removed it, because there were so many complaints. Now, the president of the company who bought the, the hotel said that the makeover was strictly to update the hotel for competition reasons. But many others say... It was to reverse the curse. Over 80% of the Egyptian theme was removed. So it stayed the same on the outside, but almost 80% of all the inside, which was all Egyptian at one point, was removed. So now only 20% is Egyptian, as opposed to what it was before. So that don't even make sense then? No, not really. And and one of the things they did, I told you about the girl who jumped from the 26th yeah. floor. So you would have to look pictures of this up to see how... This is, but you got to remember this thing is at an angle, angle. Mm-hmm. as as a you know a triangular pyramid style. So when you're inside the windows, you see all the little windows to the rooms just overlooking, and each one is like like on steps. You know, you mm-hmm. got one step, and then another step. It's a little bit over, another step over, yeah. and so yeah, it would be easy for somebody to just uh, as a hallway to just jump off of that. Well. In the day when this happened, the suicide happened, 
she landed in front of the buffet because there was nothing else to stop. Now, after the renovation, one, they moved to buffet. The buffet's not in the same place that it was. Mm -hmm. Two, they've put a floor over top of the casino, a ceiling. So now, even if somebody did jump, they wouldn't make it to the casino floor. Oh, my gosh. They would be stopped by a floor. I mean, they still wouldn't make it, but they would, you know, they would mm. still probably die, but they would be stopped before they hit the that casino floor. That is so floor. heartbreaking. And I'm assuming that's probably part yeah. of of why they put that floor there is just to keep that from happening. Oh, my goodness. Poor girl. Now, they did all this renovation, but it probably didn't do anything to remove the curse. Why? Because that was 2004. In 2005... Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons cut short their three-week engagement at the hotel, decided that uh, they just weren't going to stay their full three weeks, and they left. 2007. Wait, why? I don't know why. They just put out a statement that said something like, um, you can't trust everybody who promises you something. It was very vague, but it made you say that the whole, made you think that the hotel didn't uphold their end of the bargain. Oh, okay. But Not because they saw a bunch of ghosts and stuff. no, no. In 2007, a man placed a bomb on the car in the parking garage, hoping to kill his ex-girlfriend. It did not happen. <laughs> An idiot. In 2010, a Las Vegas football player was killed in an altercation with a mixed martial art fighter on the mm. site. Also in 2010, a dancer at the Luxor Fantasy didn't show up for practice. Her roommate reported her missing. She was found dead, killed by her boyfriend, and encased in concrete. Crazy. What was your question? Where was the Jason Aldean concert where that horrible shooting happened? That wasn't that, wasn't that. That was actually right next door at Mandalay Bay. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's right. Which Mandalay Bay is built on that same yeah. quicksand. Mm. Or not quicksand, but the uh, no, I know what the swampy land. Mm-hmm. So it's probably in the same situation. Yeah, which that probably was, that was a horrible thing, too. Most think that the laser on top of, uh, that you're talking about, that beam of light mm-hmm. that's on top of... Oh, there should be removed and an eye put there, and they think that would reverse the curse. All right, Tracy, let's do some quick ones. The Excalibur Hotel. Of course, it's got a medieval theme, lots of colors, stuff like that. Really cool looking. There's apparently poltergeist activity there, mainly on the 10th floor. That's the most active. Guests have reported feeling of being closely followed in the hallways. Objects moving on their own, and a lot of problems with electronics here. They said a lot of equipment malfunctions for no apparent reason. It'd be cool if it malfunctioned on the slot machine and made you win <laughs> a lot of money. Well, we're going to get to that. Kinda. Yeah. We're going to get to a similar story. Caesar's Palace. The female bathroom is said to be haunted. The toilets like to flush on their own, and the water faucets like to turn on and turn off on their own, even when there's nobody else in there. That's not the good one, though. This is the best story that I came across in this whole thing. How about a haunted craps table? Nice. This table paid out in favor to the gamblers for an astounding 13 months in a row. The table was removed and destroyed (laughs) by Caesars. By what? Caesars. It was at Caesars Palace. Well, what do they think was happening? I don't know, but... You could, can't help with the way the dice roll. Oh, apparently you can. I mean, think about this. Craps, craps is... Um, craps and Roulette are the two most gambler-friendly games. That's your best chance to win it. 
yeah. or those two games. But could you imagine out of everybody that comes through there and plays those games 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 13 straight months on that particular table? Man, that would be The so gamblers cool. came out ahead every time yeah. as far as overall. Well, you know what? They that's what they deserve. They deserve to win like that. Yeah, but that's it's still a very odd coincidence. The Westgate Hotel, formerly the Las Vegas Hilton, where they had the fire we were telling you, it's reportedly haunted by guess who? Elvis. Absolutely. Elvis. Elvis's popularity had really slumped in the nineteen sixties, especially when the Beatles and the Stones and the Hollies and a bunch of other from the British invasions came over. And I'm leave my lips alone. <laughs> but in 1969, he did a comeback special, which I think was on NBC, I'm pretty sure. And it was actually filmed right there before a live studio audience at the Las Vegas Hilton. This it gave a big resurgence in Elvis's career. And he was actually performed there and thought of that as a second home to Graceland for the rest of his career. Of course, mm-hmm. he died in 76, so he had about seven years. But he loved... 77. He loved... Uh, well, 77, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I wrote down, too, was 77. Anyway. But so it still only gives him, you know, roughly seven, eight years mm-hmm. uh, after his resurgence. But he looked at it as a second home, and he loved being there. And I love him. He is often seen in the showroom and backstage and in the upper floor hallways. He's also been seen on the freight elevators, which you would usually think wouldn't really make a lot of sense, except Elvis used to use those freight elevators a lot just to avoid fans. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But the thing of it is, is the people that are seeing him today, most of them don't even, wouldn't know that. But that's where they're seeing him at. I so wish that I could see his ghost. Like, so seriously. And I would totally run up to his ghost self and just all over his lips. Well, apparently the dogs next door want to start barking, and then it makes Ninja start barking. Oh, I know. Ninja. All right, we're going to get through this. Ninja, sit down. we got a paragraph to go. Lastly, Zach Bagans oh, Haunted stop. Museum oh. has quite the past. This was a haunted house way before he ever bought it, and apparently there were satanic rituals regularly held in the Ooh, basement of this house. Dope. And now he's got all those haunted objects in there, too. So... There you go. I wow. would go. To, I would go to that, even though I don't really care particularly. For I would like Zach's, to go there. Yeah, but I would go to that if we went to Vegas. We would definitely go there. Absolutely. And you know that place does not look as big as what I thought it was. I mean it. It looks like I don't know, like a good sized house, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really look. I thought it was like huge, but it and, and it might be when you get inside, yeah, it might be bigger probably. than it looks. But yeah, I would definitely go to that. There's also a mobster's house there. That I think actually I think Ghost Adventures went to. I don't so know if I'd want to go to that. Too far from that, but this monster's house was where they used to take people and torture them and no. all that stuff, and it's supposed to be haunted. Yeah, I don't think I could do that place. But anyway, that was our uh, see. Las Vegas haunted. is more funner than we thought. Oh, there was probably five or six more that I could have covered. Mm-hmm. That you know, I just thought that was pretty good. What's it the good. What's the one, uh, Madam? Um, shoot, the Wax Museum. Oh, yeah. I can't think of what that's supposed to be haunted. Mm. Those yeah, things are creepy anyway. Yeah, I mean, they're cool, but they're kind of right. creepy at the same time. But a bunch of cool stuff. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with some updates and so forth. All right, Tracy, just a little housekeeping. First of all, January 6th, I think it is, 
we are starting with the hillbilly dead time story so what this will be it will be a about a 15 minute or so episode that is fully scripted the music and stuff behind it and uh we've got the first episode already done we're just working on the video aspect of it uh by the way i wanted to as we get into that subject uh big condolences out to tim mullins yeah. He's actually he's partnering up with me on, on this project. His father just passed away Yeah, uh, a couple of days ago, and we want to uh, just let Tim know that we're all thinking about him. Yeah, we're so hard to hear about your dad, Tim. I know it's hard, and it's hard enough, too, worth the holidays here, but we're thinking about you, and we love you. Absolutely. So anyway, Tim will be doing the video for this, and um, I'm doing the audio and recording and all that aspect of it. But we started a new YouTube video channel that they, where we will put the videos out to this, so it will be a video series, but it will also be uh, a podcast episode, so you get the best of both worlds on this. You won't have to. We're, we're doing it in a way so you can listen to it on podcast, and you're not going to feel like, oh, I didn't see what they were talking about. You're not missing anything if you just listen to it. Mm -hmm. But if you watch the video, you will get some extra stuff. But here's what I need you guys to do. Go to YouTube and go to the Hillbilly Dead Time Stories page. Hit the subscribe button and also hit the notifications button. That way when a new episode comes out, you'll get a notification. If yeah. you could do both of those things, it would help. We're uh, still going to be doing some stuff on the Hillbilly Horror Stories YouTube page. But this is wants to be exclusive. We didn't want it to be confusing. We wanted people to be able to just, if they just wanted to watch those videos, to just find them and not have anything else cluttering the feed up. That would be great. We appreciate you. So, yeah, that'll be starting in a couple of weeks. I think it'll be fun. You guys uh, hopefully will get behind us and, and help make it a, a success. Yeah. Also, the book is still out there. You can get it on Amazon or you can get it through our website where you can also buy merchandise, uh, shirts and mugs and all that stuff. It's too late to get anything for Christmas as, you know, Yeah. it just is. And last but not least, don't forget, we do have advertising. So if you'd like to advertise on Hillbilly Horror Stories, please uh, send me an email. I will send you a price list. And uh, that includes, you know, not just the episodes we do, but it also it's all of our social media. So we've got 8,000 Instagram followers, 6,500 6, Twitter followers, and, you know, 12,000 Facebook followers. So it's a bunch of social media that goes along with that, as well as getting advertised on a show. Price plans for everybody budgets start at $25 so if you'd like to advertise and get your little Etsy business or Cincy or uh, uh, get people to listen to your podcast send us a message I'll send you the details Tracy what do we got for um, iTunes reviews this week all right we have got a bunch this week Tiger Panther 2000 Sea Candy Mojo Lobster Hi, yo. Brett S., a.k.a. Not Mojo Lobster. <laughs> Courtney Miller, 13. McClary, 9808. Grit Savage, uh, we would love to thank you for writing us and to thank your hubby for his service. He is a Marine and an Army vet. God bless him. Absolutely. Yes, you guys gave us some really nice reviews. We really, really appreciate it. Our Patreons this week is Daniel Gomez and Brittany. Thank you guys so much for your support. We appreciate that you do that for us. It means everything. Um, we just want you guys to have a merry, 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 merry Christmas and all that good stuff. 
and uh, we just wanted to say again thank you guys for supporting us this year it's been a crazy one and we just only can hope and pray that next year is way better yep let's hope so let's hope that the uh, new year's calendar is much kinder to us this year than it was yes and I also just, I know we always thank everybody at the beginning, but, you know, especially want to just, again, thank all the nurses and doctors and everybody that's have been worn out taking care of everybody this whole year. I can't imagine how you all do it, but you are angels on this earth, and I just still wanted to make sure we gave a, another shout out to them. Right. And not the angels like on Supernatural that go through and kill people with their swords. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless it's warranted. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. We love you.